Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. And we are here to talk about the books coming out on July 27th, 2021 from this, uh, Detective Comics Comics. I almost said Distinguished Competition, which is the Marvel term for DC. But That's what I call them. Yeah, we know we know it is. Um, so anyway, let's start with Batman Secret Files, The Huntress, number one. This is written by Mariko Tamaki, illustrated by David Laffam. Uh, Vince, you when we were talking before like a week or two ago about what books we should talk about. I had mentioned I'd be fine not reading this one and you you advocated for it. So why don't you start? What did you think of this issue? Um, I, I just love the art. I love David uh, Lapham or Lapham. I, um, Ed Pisker uh, did a recent uh, episode of his uh, YouTube series or, or whatever podcast, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, where he was pronouncing it David Lapham. And so I'm okay. just going to go. I'm going to go sure. with what yeah. Pisker says. I don't know whether sure. he knows it or not, but um, I'll go with Lapham. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just love his art. Um, and that's what made this like a, a must read for the show. Um, the story itself, you know, it's basically introducing you uh, more to this Hugh Vile character that's been teased in, in the detective comics run. Um, nothing uh, groundbreaking. It's just this like, I don't know, like uh, viral infection zombie-esque villain. We've seen that, you know, dozens of times before. Um, but Lapham's art is so like sneaky good. Like it's 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 like clean in in the like Mike Allred way, and it's like very detailed, and yet like yeah, there's nothing that like blows you away just looking at it, but I, I just love the way that it flows and how clean it is. And there are moments of like body horror, gross out stuff, or like there's, there's one particular page that has like a big crowd shot and everybody kind of looks like a um, Charles Burns character or something like that. Like, it's just a different, it's a different, it's subtly a different style of art than what you normally see at DC um, because it has this kind of like alt comics edge to it a, a little bit. Uh, I'll also say that, that David Lapham is the only artist for which I own an original art page from. Oh, what do you own? Uh, it's a uh, page from his issue of dial H. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't remember the issue number, but, it's um he did one issue of dial h and i i bought a page from that um i'm gonna save my comment for a later date um <laughs> that, <laughs> it'll make sense it'll make sense later trust me uh, it, uh, it has to do with a project we haven't announced yet oh okay yeah yeah I so you um, won't you won't hear this comment for another year <laughs> no no you'll um uh yeah actually <laughs> it'll probably be more than a year <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, we said we were going to start teasing this, so uh, we'll just say September first. Um, you'll be getting something potentially new from us. So yeah, let's start with that. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just think uh, major anniversaries of things that happened in September. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Is there a subway coupon for this anniversary? <laughs> Barry, Barry Allen caused it. 
that is, that is true. <laughs> and that's not a lie. That's the, <laughs> what I just said is true. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, all right um, anyway anything else to say about lapham's art um i've said my piece i i i think he draws a great huntress also yeah i i think this was this is a good fit for lapham like at dc i i think that there there is a lot of like gross out horror imagery here but he does it in a way where it never feels like it's egregious like it, it takes you just to the point of like do i have to be seeing this and then it pulls back and mm-hmm. so i appreciated that piece of it um there, there's also a just some really really nice character work between helena and other and the other people in the story like they visually there, there's a scene in the hospital with her and deb donovan and we we don't know much about Deb Donovan's character. We've seen her a couple times now, but like that little scene, I thought that Lapham did a good job of just sort of bringing across who the character is with a couple of panels without going overboard. It just it it's a really really well illustrated issue. I did feel that, um, and, and this is like becoming I guess my buzzword on this show, but I did feel that it was a little bit decompressed. Just I think this was probably half an issue's worth of story stretched out over a full issue but because the art was so enjoyable it didn't feel nearly as decompressed as it probably should have given because this is actually this is an oversized issue so pretty much the same thing we said about the last batman secret files issue yes and it would have been a fine like regular sized issue Mm -hmm. um not an oversized one zach do you have anything to add to that anything to challenge us with not really. No, I agree that the art was good. Um, this was a very interesting read, uh, being someone who's not caught up or or trying to keep up with Detective Comics. Um, it. Uh, I mean, I've read enough to know who Uvile is and 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 to get that, but it was just funny how dependent this issue is on Detective Comics. Um, I felt like the the signal issue was a lot more standalone than mm. this is. That's an interesting point, Zach. I, I feel like there's a uh, there's an effort in the marketing of this book to tell to be these are standalone stories from characters we don't get to spend a lot of time with. But this issue is certainly not a standalone story. This this issue very much is dependent on. You know, it, was it five, six issues of story leading up to this, or at least the last three or four issues of tech? So it, I wonder if this, and I know like I, in the October solicits that were just released, uh, the October Secret Files is for Peacekeeper One. So I'm sure that will be very tied into the Tinyan Bat run. So I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing to have it very tied into sort of a current event. On one hand, I think if people, are enjoying those stories and want more of that character. This is a nice way to offer them more. But I also think that for a lot of folks, you know, I I can imagine someone as a comic fan scrolling through comiXology or in their comic shop and seeing this and thinking, oh, wow, that's cool. That's a one shot from Huntress. I like that character. And then buying this and having no clue what's happening in it. 
Right. You you would expect uh like like obviously a, a one shot about Peacemaker one. The only people who are going to be reading that are, are people who are reading Tynion's run and, and even know who that is because it's such a, a new character and so closely tied to that run. But Huntress is a you know, a, a character that lots of people will know and maybe want to read about who aren't reading tech. Right. Um so you you would expect maybe this one to be a bit more open-ended, a bit more self-contained compared to something like Peacemaker. Agreed. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, or Keeper, Peacekeeper. Peacemaker <laughs> is someone totally different. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I think I might have said Peacemaker as well, but uh, Peacekeeper, yes. Peacemaker is the, um, the soon-to-be hit turn from your friend of mine, John Cena. Yeah, I don't blame you for uh, messing that up considering he's in like three books every week now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else about this issue or shall we move on? I'm good. I'm Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Let's move on to Checkmate number two written by Brian Michael Bendis illustrated by Alex Maleev. Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? I think this is the most I've enjoyed a Bendis book at DC since like the first year of his Batman, or I mean his Superman run. I I liked this quite a bit. Um, what about it? Did you like? Yeah, I wasn't sure if you guys were gonna just be aghast and and you know guffaw for a little bit, or if, I, no, if you wanted me to I, elaboate. I, I, I mean, I, I did. I didn't read it, so <laughs> really, I told you in the I told you guys in the in the DMs I wasn't gonna read it. Oh, okay. I guess I missed I told, that. I told you in Lad's chat. I guess I missed that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just thought the the pacing on it was a lot better than Bendis' work has been recently. And I thought the character work and, and the dialogue were a lot of fun. I thought the, the pages with Lois going through uh, her dad's old boathouse... Um, picking up the little snowman figure that had the um that had been alluded to in the previous issue you know are, are you the snowman um and then i thought the stuff with uh question and green arrow kind of staking her out and that whole uh action sequence that happens with merlin and the off-brand helicarrier and the way everything kind of bounced back and forth between that location and the leviathan base i just i just thought the way it all connected together was really well done. The, the, the visual storytelling that Maliv is doing here is, is much more in line with what I typically associate with Maliv. I feel, I think we've all kind of talked about how Maliv has been kind of underutilized or misutilized since coming over to DC. And, and I just thought that this, this on the whole worked a lot better. I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I, I will say two things sort of um, <clears throat> that that prevented me from liking this movie as much as you did. The first is that I just think that Mark Shaw is not a compelling character as Bendis is writing him. I just I maybe it's been too long since I read Event Leviathan, but it feels like I don't really on the page. You're not really getting what the guy's deal is. Like, I think if, if I had to sit down and really, you know, write down like a, a one sentence description of what his what his purpose is with all this, I could probably do it. 
But as I'm reading the issue, I'm not necessarily getting that. And so that's a, a, a notch against it. And the other is really nothing to do with the book itself, which is just, again, that this so clearly takes place a year ago and it just feels like it's a book out of place. And I think that that wouldn't be apparent if we read this book in five years or 10 years, it would be fine. But reading this concurrently with stuff that is so clearly supposed to be after this makes it a bit of a weird read. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, but I, for, for whatever reason, it didn't bother me as much in this issue as it even did in the first issue. Sure. Um, I'm sure that you guys did not do the deep dive into the DC solicits that I did uh, for my column, but Justice League number 69 comes out in uh, oh, nice. October. Yeah, nice. Uh, and uh, in that uh, issue... Still doing that, huh? Yep. <laughs> uh, in that issue we uh the solicit mentions like checkmate stuff so it seems like bendis is going to be bringing that stuff into justice league and not mm. not checkmate like from the series but like the organization of checkmate mm -hmm. and so i would be really okay with this place have this stuff having a place in the dc universe because i like the idea of checkmate i like i like all of the component parts of this i think rebuilding checkmate especially with Alan Scott supposed to be a part of it again, you know, like all of that stuff that we get kind of from infinite frontier that can all be interesting. This just feels very out of place to me. And again, that's not really fair. And I, I recognize in my critique how unfair that is, but that's just kind of how it, how it seems. I, I don't know. It is, it is really weird why this was delayed for so long. I mean, obviously like COVID may have, been a factor but there were still a lot of books coming out i unless unless Malieve was like severely delayed and in, in getting the art done and that that could have been it i i don't really understand why this was held back so long by dc because th this could have been coming out you know while death metal was coming out or i i don't know why at that point you wouldn't just make it into an ogn um, I can understand why they maybe wouldn't want to do that because it might make it feel less, even like less connected to the. How could anything feel less connected than this, though? Well, yeah, I... but here, here's the thing, though. Like, for for somebody who doesn't read the books necessarily, like week to week, as closely as we do, I could easily see somebody like squinting at this and thinking it's it's going on at the same time, even though it's not. Yeah, I mean the things that that tip us tip us off that it's clearly not going on at the same time is like the status quo for Damien, um, a, a little bit the status quo for Superman maybe, really really honestly like Damien is the biggest Damien thing. is the biggest thing yes, um, um, and if yeah if you're not reading Robin then like who like, yeah what are you doing with your life That's well sure <laughs> yeah but, exactly sure but um you, yeah you might not be as like keyed in on on that and so maybe, maybe it is like something that we as like very um very active in the in the no readers pick up on and make a bigger deal out of than say like most people would and i think that's fair my only counterpoint to that is I feel like 
the reason that DC is still publishing this is because they know that there is a value to having a book in Barnes and Noble with the name Bendis Maleev on the spine. So if you're doing it for that purpose to sell it next to Event Leviathan, then I don't know why you just don't jump to that. Um, is there even the? <laughs> yes, I I still think that the Bendis name carries weight in the bookstore more than it does in the comic store. Well, but I also think it's like the double dipping thing. It's why, you know, movie theaters are making such a big, you know, a big thing over streaming. You know, uh, it's DC can get the single issue sales and they can get the book market. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I'll just say the reason I didn't read, I opened this up and I'm like, I, I can't, none of this feels, and this is the problem with Bendis's like big books to me. It's the reason why like his Avengers run at Marvel didn't do anything for me. It's the reason why like none of his event books over there ever did anything for me. And it's just that like these events that are supposed to feel big and important somehow feel very small in his hands i think and when i read that first issue i just didn't like i didn't get the impression that any of the characters were like (laughs) taking any of it really seriously or and then like also not but like not that they weren't taking it seriously but also that but also that nobody was really having any fun with it either. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was was not one or the other. I agree. I agree with you, Vince, that that first issue did feel like that. I very Mm -hmm. much feel like this issue didn't feel like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with Zach there. You're going to, you're going to trick me again into reading. I'm going to wild out a little bit and say, and if talking event limited series here, I liked this one better than the other one we're going to talk about this week. Oh, you're mm-hmm. wrong about that. I don't even I, remember I'm saying that. that I personally like this this issue better than oh, that issue. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Man, do I trust the guy who thinks Empire Strikes Back is a bottom two Star Wars movie? It's not bottom two. It's like oh. mid tier. I have you a nine it... minute stinger <laughs> that will argue otherwise, my friend. Yeah, you, I had it. Yes, you said you said it was like eight. No, I didn't. Seven. I said I said. I, I said we're not doing this again we're one. not no 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 i'm putting the foot down here producer salvatore is putting his foot down we're not doing this the bottom three are no not nine eight seven one the bottom three are nine two and, just uh, defy you brian as if you said nothing just now. nine two i'm not gonna let you misquote me and you then, said it was just an okay movie and that's the last I word said it was mid-tier because it's in the middle again i have i have a seven minute stinger to play you um Nine there are nine movies, three sets of three. All right, stop. It's stop. in the middle three. You brought First of it all, up. There are 11. No, I, no, I didn't. Vince brought it up. Vince Second of all, uh, there are 11 movies. Check your math. They don't count. So, okay. I didn't even count the Ewok movies, which would make it 14 movies. But that's a whole other story. You're absurd. Or, or the Clone Wars movie. Um, anyway, so um, my last note on this, I'll say, is that um, I, I do think that this, Vince, is, is a little bit more fun. And maybe, maybe folks take it a little bit more seriously than than last time. What I will say though is that I just looked up the Comicron numbers. We don't have the final numbers for June yet, 
but this is the 89th most ordered book of the month. Is that good or no, that's not good. I mean, no, (laughs) uh, that is like one slot below the Green Arrow 80th anniversary, 100 page book, which is $10. So, you know, more than twice the cost of this book. Yeah. And that got more orders, you know, stuff like the Legends of the Dark Knight digital first uh, black uh, Wonder Woman, black and gold sold more than this you know like these these are not big books which just makes me think bendis maliev is like a fart in the wind now i understand your point about the bookstore brian but i still think like 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 are we really are we really still doing that i don't know i don't know i I, are you sure about that (laughs) you sure about that's (laughs) why Oh God, we could do that all night. We could do, uh, we could, yeah. Sorry, Brian. He <laughs> okay. says checkmate's not a real book. <laughs> I didn't read it. I didn't read shit. <laughs> what are you guys referencing? <laughs> Oh, oh, you sweet summer child. What are you guys referencing? Uh, I think you should leave. Which yeah. episode? Is it the new season? Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen I haven't watched new season. Okay. Oh, sorry. what are you doing with your life? I'm I'm editing fucking podcasts for you bastards. Oh. That's what I'm doing. All right. We still find time to do it, even with having to do a weekly Shonen Jump review every seven weeks. <laughs> Again, I do two every seven weeks, and I don't even like manga that much. So. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. The, right. the amount of time it takes you to do that second one is is a whole, I think you should leave episode. So I understand you can't do it. All right. Can we move on now? Okay. <sighs> Let's talk about Icon and Rocket Season 1, Number 1. Written by Reginald Hudlin, Leon Hills, and illustrated by Doug Braithwaite. Um, so did, do either of you guys have any real relationship with these characters before this book? No, not really, unfortunately. No, this is one of, this is one of the milestone uh, pairings or characters or whatever you want to say that I, I, I've never read anything of before i i think i read a little bit of it back in the 90s but i, I honestly like I, I knew the the sort of basic shape of the story but i don't know if that's just from hanging out in comic stores too much or from actually reading you know the original run at all um but i got i got a very specific vibe from this i wanted to know if this was just uh something for me or something for you that you guys picked up on as well Part of it is that Doug Braithwaite is a car- is a creator that I oftentimes associate with Valiant comics, like mm-hmm. this was specifically the the Valiant revival of twenty twelve, whatever that was. Um, but this felt very much like a Valiant book to me, and I mean that in a good way. Like this reminded me of those really good Valiant reboot books. Um, in just in terms of like, I feel like the Valiant books did a nice job of introducing characters that are not carbon copies of DC and Marvel characters, but share, you know, enough DNA to make it um, like accessible as a superhero comic for somebody who maybe, you know, has a a very specific point of reference for what that means. Um, 
And I thought the Braithwaite's art here was really good and did a lot of heavy lifting for a story that had like a very fantastical sequence. And then the majority of it be a sort of relatively mundane uh, visual comic. I thought Braithwaite did a good job breathing life into both those sections. Uh, Vince, what did you think of this comic? Yeah, um, I think everything you said was was well said. Uh, the, the one point I wanted to make, which you made, was um, how I don't know if I would have said Valiant, but but I do like how um, these characters are they're, they're always like they're sharing themes that are common superhero themes, right? Like the themes we see here are Superman-esque. Um, Batman-esque in some ways as well. Rich guy living in a mansion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a, there's a character I was thinking of who's like cloistering himself from society and like deciding whether or not to help uh, people, but I can't I can't think of who I had in mind. Wonder Woman from Wonder Woman eighty four. Yeah, I mean that works. That's not who I was thinking of, but no, that of that, that theme works, you know. So it's like this, it's this amalgamation of common superhero themes, and then it's like filtered through black voices, right? Um, and and I think it does really well for itself, even though I will say the same thing about this that I said about static, which is that this is just very meat and potatoes opening issue you know the thing i said about static was that it was like the it was like a you know peter parker-esque origin issue nothing we haven't seen a dozen times before but it was but it was done pretty well um i know you didn't like that one as much as i did i didn't love it but like i didn't dislike it though you know i i I thought it was solid i just i guess i just hoped for more that's all yeah right right and i and i think this is i feel the same way about this one where like i like doug braithwaite's art i i kind of always have um the the nugget of a origin that we get here is interesting even though it's you know familiar doesn't really do anything totally groundbreaking with familiar themes but it's all really well put together. And so as like a first issue, it doesn't knock your socks off, especially if you read tons and tons of comics like we have, but it, it, it does what it does really well. And it, it does make you want to check it out for a couple more issues to see if it does something more interesting, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's a success, even though these books are not blowing me away thus far. Sure. Zach, what do you think? Um, I liked this quite a bit. Like I mentioned, I'm not super familiar with Icon and Rocket. Um, I still haven't read that first issue of Static, um, so I can't compare it to that. Um, but I, I thought this did a good job of doing, uh, uh, you know, several different things. Doing doing the origin of really two characters of, of Icon and Rocket, and then also setting up the idea that we're going to be getting like bits and pieces of Icon's past as well over the course of the series, which is kind of an interesting idea. Um, the one kind of touchstone that I do have about Icon as a character, and just picking this up from like the internet, is that he 
was kind of a um, an interesting character, especially at the time, because he had very clear political views that were conservative. I think he like even identified as like a Republican in the in the original books. Um, and I've kind of been curious about how that would be incorporated or portrayed in this new run. And, and I think we get a, a little bit of that, not explicitly, but like we do see a little bit of his like ideology and his kind of like reticence to interfere. And he, he's going to decide to interfere on the date of January 6th, <laughs> 2001. 2001? Was it? Wasn't it? Go, uh, 2020, 2021. That's uh, not obviously not 2001. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, but no, I, it, that that's kind of like an interesting thing that sets him apart from like Superman per se, or, or actually, you know, it is kind of interesting how we're getting a bit of this in the Superman books right now, this idea of how much should a Superman like figure intervene with humanity like how big of a role how how much should he insert himself and or versus how much should he or she i guess you know let things kind of run their natural course and just it's it's interesting how this book handles that and how superman books in the past have handled that and how the current superman books seem to maybe be the direction they seem to be going in. Um, I, I think all of that's very cool and, and interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that so far, these both of these first um, <clears throat> milestone, uh, you know, reboot issues have been handled pretty well. And what I like about it is that it doesn't feel to me like one of my fears whenever they reboot anything like this is that they're going to somewhat lose the the feel and the tone of the property. And these both feel sufficiently milestone-y, even though they're like, you know, the new versions of them. These feel more like the classic milestone characters than, say, like the New 52 justice league felt like the old justice league or you know um you know insert another reboot here um even though there's a lot obviously there's a lot of different stuff happening but yeah anything else to say about icon and rocket no all right so let's do this let's take a break and when we return we'll talk about our final three issues of the week so stay tuned Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Infinite Frontier number three, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, Tom Derenick, and Zermanico. 
So, Zach, why'd you hate this issue? Uh, um, I didn't say that. You're always um, misrepresenting me, and I'm. I think I'm going to quit the podcast now. Um, so more, more, I, more for more for Brian and I then. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, I'll do that one. So. Um, <laughs> The reason I think that I liked this a little bit less than Checkmate is Checkmate was much more artistically solid. Um, There are four different, five different artists on this book, I think. Four different artists, yes. Yes, okay. Pelletier, Marino, Zermanico, and... Fernandez. Tom Derenick. Derenick, yes. Okay. I wasn't sure who that Fernandez was. I thought that was maybe... That's not Javier. That would be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, and and it... it, I just... I I just don't like when books do that. I think the art is pretty serviceable and none of it clashes with each other, but it, it, it just kind of feels... A little workman throughout I, it's I think big Pel- like 52 brightest day well and- yeah the the pelletier pages are are really good and that one kind of flashback page that with the two flashes i'm not i'm not sure which artist is doing that there that's very fun stylistically but that those are really the only pages that stand out in my mind in this issue well so it, it's interesting that you brought that up zach because i or I, I, I'm not sure Vince or Zach's at 52, but like my my comments here that I wrote down was this is looking and feeling more like 52. One of those is really good. One of those is not so good. Like to me, this is beginning to feel a lot like 52 in the sense where there's you get five pages of Roy Harper. You get 10 pages of um, Alan Scott and Obsidian. You get, you know what I mean? And like, you're getting the sort of different stories that are being woven throughout. And I love that. But when it's not a weekly, it can feel a little bit slight when you're having to wait three weeks for the next part of the story. And also when it's not weekly, you don't have the excuse. You don't have as much of an excuse to have four artists on the book as you mm-hmm. do in that in that scenario. So I don't disagree with you. The art was maybe a step back these last two issues because of that. But I will say that I think the story is compelling enough. And the art is cromulent enough to not make me dislike it for that reason. I, I guess that's the other thing is I think this is the least interesting of the three issues so far. That's probably true. I think the only thing that made me stand up and maybe do like the first phase of the Vince McMahon gif was when (laughs) Hector Hammond showed up. That was a cool. Yes, that's a that's a very cool sort of reintroduction for him, especially saying what he says about like. Several of us have been reset to our factory settings. Yes, that that was very interesting. I also thought the um, the Infinity Inc characters showing up at the end like uh, Jade and Adam Smasher and Yolanda uh, Montez as Wildcat and Damage and Power Girl. I guess that's, I guess those aren't just Infinity. Those are also just some JSA characters. But like those, those JSA Infinity characters showing up are, are, uh, you know, you, you guys know that's my gobble ghoul. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really enjoyed that 
piece of it. And I thought that the, the Roy Harper stuff in general is <clears throat> I, I, I recognize that saying this is about as cursed as I can say anything. You know how Countdown was 52 done right? This feels like the Jimmy Olsen story from Countdown done right. Like the person exploring his new powers. Mm. Um, yeah. But I recognize that's a curse statement to say because fuck Countdown. This is actually Brightest Day done right. I could see that too, yes. Um, I, I don't disagree, Zach, just to sort of put a pin on something you said. Um, put a button on it, rather. I, I think this probably is the least interesting episode issue thus far, but I still think like that's that has more to do with how interesting the other two issues have been. Like, I think if we just if we just pull back here for a second, you say like there's going to be a sequence with Black Lantern, Roy Harper and um, Hector Hammond There's going to be a, a Magog appearance along with a uh, who's going to like go toe to toe with Earth S Mary Marvel and uh, President Superman. And then there's going to be, you know, uh, an, you know, Flash and the Cycle Pirate doing stuff together. And I think there's really good stuff here. And if it's if it's less interesting than last issue, it's just because there's there wasn't as many. There weren't as many surprises this issue as there were last issue. But I don't think there's anything. I don't think anything in here is bad or even not good. No, but I did kind of feel like it was spinning its wheels just a little bit. Like, it, this was very much a moving from point A to point B type of issue. Um, it, it was a getting getting characters in position for later plot points. Sure. Like, like, like you know, the Flash thing was like three pages where we just see psycho pirate has flash on a big treadmill and and um you know the the stuff with magog and the the justice incarnate was kind of just them sitting around talking really and a lot of a lot of exposition and i I don't know i just didn't it, it just didn't like impress me very much this issue that didn't impress you much no Vince, what would you think of this? Yeah, it was fine. I think I'm somewhere in between you guys. I, I do agree with Zach that it's uh, spinning. Mm, yep. It's uh, spinning its wheels a little bit, especially when you consider that it is only a six issue or I guess seven, if you include the zero issue um, series, it makes you think that there should be more going on in this issue. But, um, but still, I think it it's, it's the type of comic that I, like to see at dc and that i come to dc for weekly you know it's like i i I feel like the dc universe would be stronger if there was a series like this running at basically all times um 100 agreed yes yeah yeah so like even if it does spin its wheels a little bit it's still doing things with characters we don't normally see that supposedly affect the greater dc narrative meta narrative and I think even if it spins its wheels a little bit, it still feels refreshing compared to a book that focuses on Batman, which we get all the time. And, or, you know, any of Batman's extended family, or even like 
the Superman books or the Wonder Woman books, which we've, we've come to know what to expect from that stuff. And so I, I do like always having an eventy type series to follow that gives you more of that meta narrative. So, you know, I appreciate it on that level, but Zach is right. When like, when he says it spins its wheels a little bit, he's right that the craft is not like the, the artistic craft or the, or the structure of this thing is not necessarily uh, firing on all cylinders. Um, I wish there was more of the, the playfulness of the, those like old school flash pages. Like, I feel like you could put a lot more of that into, into comics like this. Um, but it is very workmanlike other than that. Um, also a little story tidbit. We talked on a previous issue about how I was skeptical that we would get those old JSA characters back and that maybe the JSA book would be about finding them uh, at least in the first arc while well, they are back. Um, so, you know, I, I was wrong about that and I'm, I'm glad to be like, it was nice to see them show up in this issue. Um, yes, I, I agree. It would have felt too long if we had to wait, because who knows when that fucking book's ever coming out. Right, right. But, you know, DC loves to do that. So, like, that's yes. why I was concerned, because it's not like it hasn't happened before. You know, right. That's basically the story of the last 10 years at DC, right? <laughs> yes, especially um, with the JSA. Yeah, yes. Oh, absolutely. So many false starts. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys. So, like. Power Girl is part of the big reveal at the end, right? Yes. But she hasn't been totally off the table in the way that some of these other JSA characters have been. When was the last time we saw Power Girl? Well, okay, let's let's define off the table here for a second because we saw Jade in Infinite Frontier 0. That that's you I But, but let me let me let me for Infinite Frontier Okay, but let, but let me just say the other characters we have not seen in any capacity except Adam Smasher and Yolanda were in that JSA pinup at the end of the Stargirl special. Right. But like, that is also Infinite Frontier, really. So right, I'm but, talking but, about before this status quo. Um, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, did Jade ever... Jade was there at the end of Flashpoint, right before Flashpoint in in uh, the, you know, your, finish your drink here, folks. James Robinson's JLA had Jade in it. Um, and I believe Adam Smasher was also around the JSA books around that time. I don't think we've seen any of these characters since before Flashpoint besides Power Girl. Right. And then so Power Girl... I mean, we know she was in the New 52. She had her own book with um, uh, Huntress. Uh, Huntress, thank you. Yeah, um, and we've seen her since then as well. Um, I can't think of where. Um, anyway, my, my point is she was just an interesting conclusion at the end of this alongside those other characters. Well, okay. it, 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 yeah. Go ahead. May, may I offer my my thought on that? Uh, sure. Uh, with the exception of damage, all of those are historically considered Earth 2 characters. Right. Yep. And so I wonder if this is going to be a thing where they're like, um, 
almost like yeah, why the fuck am I keep referencing countdown? But like there was that group of like the the um like Kyle Rayner and Jason Todd, the characters that shouldn't have existed in the in the like in the timeline. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to be like that, where these are mm. characters that, you know, because Roy fits into that too, right? Roy is back for an unknown reason. Maybe these characters are all back. That's what draws them together. Like that they are they are from alternate timelines or dimensions or whatever. They shouldn't be here. Sure. Okay. That'd be my guess. Um, do, do you think it's interesting that they didn't use this opportunity to update Power Girl's costume at all? Do you think that's something that's coming? Or do you think she's going to keep the classic look? I don't know. You would think that look would have been replaced by now. I don't know. That's an excellent question, Zach. I I wonder if that isn't something that's upcoming because everyone here kind of has their like classic look of when we last saw them, you know? Uh Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. She'll get a nice new costume for JSA. If that book ever happens. Yeah. It'll happen eventually, with or without whoever is maybe going to write it. Right. But you know what? No matter who's writing it, Brian Hitch is going to draw it. Most likely, yes. All right. Well, let's move on to our next title then, which is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by John Timms. Uh, Zach, I feel like this is uh, a book we're all going to have a lot to say about. Hopefully, all in the affirmative. Um, what did you think of this? No, this book was super good. Um, very pedantic thing. I thought it was really interesting that um, we get confirmation that uh, John Kent was not born in the Convergence universe anymore. Yep. Um, I, I had the exact same thought in my notes. I and and am like moderately bummed about that um because that was something that like you know who knows if that has been like canon for you know the last few years even but it had never been contradicted even if it hadn't been i actually think it had maybe been referred to since that miniseries i I maybe am making that up i i don't i kind of think it has been but regardless the fact that that has now been retconned um which makes sense, you know. Whatever reality has been rebooted, rebooted. Let's let's clean it up a little yeah. bit. If Hector um, Hammond come back to being like a handsome, mustachioed man, then why can't John Kent have been born in the Fortress of Solitude? Right, right. Even though I just really love him being born in a convergence bubble and and Flashpoint Thomas Wayne uh, being his uh, being the physician who who was there for the birth. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that um, that whole like opening sequence was really you know nice and fun but i think the back half of the issue was where the real meat is um where you have the scenario of of john kent uh helping put out this uh raging forest fire that's being started by a uh pyrotechnic uh pyrokinetic um metahuman he kind of like talks him down and then um the the military uh tries to like take him and confiscate him and and john ends up letting them take him and and he goes to robin to kind of 
uh, you know, talk about that decision and whether or not it was the right one. And, and just the dialogue between John and Damien is so good here. And this is kind of what I was getting into when we were talking about Icon and Rocket is this idea of how um, interventional uh, Superman should be. And we're, we're getting that both through the lens now of John Kent and, and Superman in the Superman in the authority book. Um, so I, I'm just really excited about this book and, and seeing where Taylor takes uh, John. I think John Timms on art is fantastic. I think he's like such a great uh, pick for, for a Superman book, especially this one um, just really good mix of like, I, I think Tim's is like a mix between Humberto Ramos and like, I guess maybe like Reyes, you know, if you like mix those two together, Ivan Reyes, you, you get Tim's and it's like such a, such a great fit for this book. So I, I just really enjoyed this a lot. Vince. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, the one thing I'll say about Tim's art and I am a fan of Tim's, I don't know that I love his Damien. Um, didn't really look like Damien to me. Um, like a little, a little too old, and also like I, that costume. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like that costume. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, the, the the everything Zach said about the themes and the and the dialogue was extremely good. Tom Taylor's like a master of distilling characters down into dialogue in a way that like um sounds like real people talking but also like clearly gets across their personality in a way that's not like um showy i don't think you know it's it's all very like honest and and earnest at times and um in a way that feels authentic um that this issue is definitely loaded with that um yeah, I don't think that this was intentional, but it's interesting. Like, I immediately thought about how the opening conflict with the with the fire starting a metahuman reminded me that Bendis's Superman run started with uh, Superman uh, fighting against fires in Metropolis. I'm sure that has nothing to do with this, but a lot of the imagery was evocative of that. Um, except with his son dealing with it now. So I don't know. Right. That was a nice, like unintentional bit of poetry, I guess. Um, yeah, I liked it. I don't think I was as blown away as Zach seems to be, but, um, but just a, a totally solid issue from, from Taylor and Tim's as you would expect. Uh, so this is my favorite John Tim's art I've ever seen him do. I, I am typically the the low man on Tim's on our show. Not that I dislike his work, but I just feel like sometimes his stuff does not does not work for me as much as it does for you guys. And I thought that this was just if his work was always this good, then I've been wrong. Or maybe he just he leveled up a little bit here. But I think this is phenomenal, phenomenal work from him. I was trying to think if Taylor had ever written these characters before because he seems to know them so well. And I realized that he's written uh, Damien and John in the deceased books. A bit. Mm, yeah. Um, but, but again, I, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's necessarily 
anything, right? I don't know if that's if that's uh, if that's why or if this is just what Taylor tends to do. I, I tend to think it's just what Taylor tends to do um, because he's just he's just so good. Um, but I really do like this idea, like Zach said, of like how much of an interventionist God should Superman be versus, you know, just somebody who is reactive versus proactive in people's lives. And I think that John is asking questions that I would imagine, you know, obviously there aren't really superheroes, but I would imagine most young superheroes kind of ask themselves the same questions. And I would think that Taylor doesn't really come out and say it, but you kind of get the impression that like, this is something that is happening not only because John is the son of Superman and Lois Lane, but also because he's young and we're in a moment where I think young folks uh, for, for good and for bad are way more politically aware and way more, uh, uh, you know, I I don't necessarily want to say like um, the more reactionary, but I just feel like, you know, I think it's much more common for a 17 year old kid now to have an understanding of socialism and fascism more than it was when I was 17, let's say. Right. So I feel like this feels very much of the moment where like John is of an age where he would be exposed to more radical thinkers than maybe his dad would have been at the same age. And so I think him, him exploring different approaches to, to solving problems feels, feels, accurate and feels you know true to the character i just think that this is off to such an interesting start and although i mean to be fair there really isn't too much plot here beyond that first issue right like they, they you don't there aren't many point plot points that you think will come back to me i don't know if that firestarter character will ever be seen again or if that guy is just essentially an object lesson in the book um you know but this this issue more than kicking off the series is just sort of a, I, I think a, a primer for people who maybe don't know John as well or who do, don't know what the current status quo is to fill them in because I really I can't tell you a single thing that happened here that I'm confident we will see again uh, in these issues. Do you guys think we're ever going to see that fire starter again? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Um, I actually, yeah, I kind of, I do think we will. Um, going, going off of the things you said though, uh, two points, uh, John reads theory and <laughs> um, I would be very wary of any um, YouTube political YouTubers that Damian Wayne recommended me <laughs> yes oh, i'm tugging my collar extremely right now it's about time you tug something only, else I, I forgot about that part of the issue that was the only one where i was kind of like oh i don't really like this <laughs> this is a little too this is like a, a bridge too far for me it just it it, it just felt kind of cringy it, it feels very uh 2021 like putting a putting a pin on the fact that it's 2021 like reminding you over and over again of when we're living yes i i I can agree with that yeah um but yeah i'm excited about this book going forward 
And that brings us to our final book of the week, Teen Titans Academy, number five, written by Tim Sheridan, illustrated by Steve Lieber. This is uh, more of the Bat Pack origin. Um, I don't I I don't want to uh, to shit on the Bat Pack. I like these characters, but. I do wish that we got I I, I just I love what's happening in Teen Titans Academy so much that I kind of wish we spent more time in the actual school this week. But I but I still enjoyed this issue. Uh, What did you guys think of this? Yeah, I I agree with your sentiment, although I, I really did enjoy these these two issues. I think my problem with it is a a greater problem that I talk about with comics publishing all the time which it's a double-edged sword because I, I love issues like these. I love like the idea of a long run uh, with in a team book where you get to focus, you, the focus goes in and out on certain characters and, and you get, you know, a couple issues in a row about these characters, then a couple about these, and then you see how they all dovetail. I love that. The problem is, is you don't get that anymore. <laughs> and so, and because um, the reality of comics is that uh, I can't be certain that Teen Titans Academy is going to last more than 18 issues, right? I certainly hope it does. Um, I don't want that to necessarily dissuade creators from doing issues like this, but the pessimist in me and, and God, comics have made me so pessimistic over the recent years just tells me that like, you're right, Brian two issues focusing on the bat pack at the expense of the greater teen Titans Academy. How much, how, how much teen Titans Academy can we be sure that we're getting right? Right. Now that is not a criticism of these issues. It's just something I think about. And I think about it way too much. Well, I mean, I, uh, I kind of well, had a similar I, thought I, here. I'm sorry, Zach, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I want to pair that with the fact that this issue shows us that this is the end of their first term at the Teen <laughs> Titans Academy. Yes, thank which, you. Which means like we've had six issues of this first term and two thirds of them, or a third of them, I mean, we're, we're focusing on this Brat Pack story. Bat Pack. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, what I was going to say, Vince, and to, to follow up on that is, you know, what's nice about having the Shazam series now is that we are getting exactly what you're talking about, but we're getting it not at the expense of the action in Teen Titans Academy, right? There's this side series that is giving us the the look at the character that if we knew this book was going 50 issues, we would be fine with two Bat Pack issues. Absolutely. You know, but we just don't know that. So I kind of feel like, especially with the way that um, like one shots have been sort of, or like, the Batman secret files one shot issues. Like why couldn't this have just been Batman secret files, the bat pack? Yeah. It's and, about the same page count. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not, that's, that's really unfair because like, this is a, I'm saying that about myself. Like that, that's not a criticism of this issue or no, this I, I agree completely. Yes. You know, it's just like, it's something I thought of while reading this issue because like, I, I I want, oh God, I'm just such a pessimist. Like I want this Teen Titans Academy to be this sprawling thing that maybe spins off one shots and titles 
and goes for a really long time and you follow these characters and learn everything about them. And I just can't, I just can't see that happening. And it, that bums me out because I love this diversion. I really do. Like these two issues were great. I was glad to get Steve Lieber art, even though I maintain that this is, this is discount Lieber a little bit. Um, but discount Lieber is, is extremely good. <laughs> regardless um it's fun it's funny um it's a way to do like this focused storytelling on these side characters in a way that doesn't like exhaust you or or make you feel like uh when you're done reading it's not going to matter going forward like i the criticism that i had about like the ghost maker backups um that tiny's doing you know where like okay, it's giving me backstory for characters I'm never going to see again. It's not going to matter, you know? This just fleshes out characters that are part of this world that I very much, that is going forward and I very much want to see go forward and care about. Um, and I love, I, you know, say what you will about the Red X stuff and how it it's it's maybe, you know, again, we've only gotten about six issues of this and the Red X stuff has been oversaturated in it but i it's stringing me along somehow like i i actually care about it the, the how he reveals himself or themselves we don't know um to the bat pack and then we don't get to see it and like it's just it's such a classic like sticky tease right um, you know between between this and the um the yearbook issue i'm i'm sold on the the red x plot yeah it's I'm, great I'm yeah. It. yeah yeah <laughs> it's great. i mean to be fair i can you remember the last time that dc didn't the dc let something slow burn this way i mean i, no. I like <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I can't remember I, I just even you know again so october is wonder woman's 80th anniversary month and so in that month we're getting diana back on earth already you know, she she was she quote died at the end of death metal and was supposed to be gone for a while. A while is like eight or ten months. That's it, right? And, and well, that also reminds me of like the um. I, I meant to say this when we were talking about Infinite Frontier. I thought it was funny that this uh, issue's cover, um, what had, had the the Black Lantern hand, and the question was who's the new Black Lantern, which is a, very funny that that was the cover considering we've known that Roy was the black lantern since like the first issue yes, and right. how, how much that is just like that cover was just marketing. Um, right. Right. Before the series even came out, but there's just DC never, never lets things slow build like this. And I, right. And it's amazing that Sheridan, a new writer has got them to agree to this. Now, granted, maybe people don't care about this, but like I'm somebody who is invested in this Red X story and I've never seen the Teen Titans animated series that that is what that seems to be why most people would care about this character. I have no relationship to that and I'm still really invested in this. Won't be long before Red X is A tier and Nightwing he's just He's just riding the bench for the rest of the for the rest of forever. Just a side character. Yeah, just 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 a side character. That's what the brat the backpack thinks. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Uh, I I really I to uh, to bring it back to <clears throat> the issue itself. <clears throat> excuse me. I I thought that the I, I just think that that Sheridan has a really good sense of who Tim not Tim 
um, Dick is as a character. And I thought that the way he was used in that issue was just really, really fantastic. I mean, everything Sheridan is doing is, is working for me right now. And uh, I, I hate saying that. <clears throat> God damn this uh, tickle my throat because I feel like I don't want to build him up and then he Tom Kings us. Right. So I don't think we have to. This is a completely. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Mark my words. <laughs> Famous last words. Never. It's yes. not a thing. In three years from now, I will be listening to this episode, sipping some coffee and uh, <laughs> we'll see if I do a spit take or not. So I, I like how our our show has just become like the new Tom King watch. Like, OK, OK, <laughs> who's the Tom King of Infinite Frontier? <laughs> Well, we already yeah. know it's Phil Kennedy Johnson. No, you mm-hmm. think that. Well, anyway, th- folks, uh, thank you for listening. We, we appreciate it. We enjoy uh, doing this every week, and we couldn't do it without you listening, so thank you. Um, you can go to multiversitycomics.com for more comics, news, and reviews, and podcasts, and other fun things. You can uh, find two-thirds of us on Twitter. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before we do that, Vince, what comes out next week? <sighs> Um, hang on. <laughs> I thought I was forgetting your bit, and I stopped. So I was like, I, I can't forget I you Vince's bit. But right. uh, here we All go. All right, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. All right. Uh, Batman One Eleven, Crime Syndicate Six, Crushing Lobo Three, Green Lantern Five, Justice League Sixty Six, Suicide Squad Six, Suicide Squad Get Joker mm-hmm. Number One, uh, and the Swamp Thing Number Six. If you had told me that, um. Crime Syndicate was still going. I would have believed you if you told me it was long gone. I would have believed you. I haven't thought about that book in a very long time. Would, would this you is the bl- last issue, right? Yeah, yes, uh, it's the last issue. Yep. Would you believe that we get Suicide Squad number six, Suicide Squad get Joker number one, and the Suicide Squad plays a extremely prominent role in the Swamp Thing number six <laughs> to the point of actually they're in it more than Swamp Thing is. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, just what we all wanted. Hey, look, we're about to be entering um, Suicide-ist, uh the uh, the month long celebration of Suicide Squad. I, I made that up. Um, that 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 is a reference to something that Zach found very funny in Lad's yeah. chat today. Um, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we we, we have to get our. I, I have a feeling if the Suicide Squad movie does well, I think we're gonna get a lot more Suicide Squad all the time. If it doesn't do well, I kind of feel like maybe this is the end of the Suicide Squad being a big thing at DC for a couple of years. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I don't think so. Remember, because we got the, we got the same big push, the last Suicide Squad movie and that movie sucked and bombed and we had a Jim Lee drawn comic and now (laughs) we're doing the whole rigmarole all over again. And and this movie is going to do much better than that movie did. No questions. Um, There has never been a suicide squad break since the new 52 started. Yeah, there hasn't. I mean, I think the movie is going to do very well. Because I think that uh, there are enough James Gunn stands out there, including at least one on this pod um, to make sure that it does very well. Yeah, I think Vince really likes him a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's me he's talking about. Not not the guy who uh, likes five things and talks about nothing else <laughs> in Lad's chat. 
when is the last time I've talked about liking a James Gunn thing? Well, you're you're chat? talking too much about liking Marvel comics instead of DC in Lads Chat lately, and so you're not you're not talking about James Gunn. You're talking about that, and you're talking about um, weeb video games, and um, what else? Um, Me on blast. Yeah, Kyrie's feet or whatever you're tweeting, <laughs> DMing us about. Um, what else can I say? I did send you that uh, those feet pics from Utada Ikaru. You did not too long ago. I mean, hey, I appreciate that buddy you're always thinking of me <laughs> um we haven't talked about the new halsey album cover vince oh, oh boy i'm uh whew. did we I'm, really not i'm we fanning didn't. i'm didn't. fanning myself right now <laughs> Woo. Uh, you were Courtney on main for for halsey like when she was just existing now oh, that man. she's uh flaunting the goods you're uh hey now hey <laughs> this is getting a little oh boy this is getting a little little ribald here <laughs> well anyway if you want to uh, can see this these... is dc3 after dark we're, we're gonna be making people pay for this pretty soon <laughs> well if you want if you want more uh more of this fantastic content two-thirds of us are on twitter where you'll get it uh in print form uh, i am at brian needs a nap and I'm Matt Wilker Fox. Uh, Vince is not currently on Twitter, but uh, he is certainly on certain corners of the internet, uh, and uh, just you know, certain certain female celebrities and feet. Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> there there are forums out there. Those forums need a moderator, and uh, <laughs> that's why Vince is here. So, oh my God. He, he's on the. It's a wiki, not a forum. Daily. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. I thought with Aaron Rodgers coming back, <laughs> you would be in a pleasant mood tonight. But here, I guess I'm wrong.